I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the program here on KSL. The show is called Live Mike. This is episode six. I'm Lee Lonsberry, the host. I've been uh, talking most of the day today about impeachment. It's because it's front and center. And uh, I've said this earlier today, too. Before you go to bed, the highest of likelihoods is that the president of the United States will be impeached. That is a an almost singular event in American history. It uh, Depending on what party you find yourself affiliated with, you will either be celebrating or mourning the events of this evening. Uh, and it will certainly... Certainly, regardless of what happens, be a part of the history books as they're written on into the future. Let me invite you to send us a note. Uh, just love to hear your, your thoughts and feelings on impeachment or anything. Uh, the number is 57500. That's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Uh, again, 57500, the Utah Community Credit Union text line. In studio, we are joined by Mark Peterson. He's the spokesman for the Utah State uh, Board of Education. A newsman uh, in, in your background. Uh, he and I were speaking over the break and it turns out uh, our careers uh, overlap a little bit and uh, we share a little bit of uh, uh, affection for the excitement of the newsroom. You told me you, uh, on a day like this in particular, uh, you, you miss those days. Is that right? I, would, I do miss those days, but I assume it is also a fairly interesting day in social studies classes across the state of Utah. <laughs> Absolutely, and I, and I think that they're having an impact on what those social studies classes will be in the future as well. Uh, makes us see how these days are studied. The reason you're here with us today, and let me thank you for joining us in studio. I know it's kind of a haul to, to, to drive over here, but, uh, but I'm always grateful when folks do join us in studio. It makes uh, the conversation a little more personal. Uh, there was a headline in the Deseret News the other day, article written by Marjorie Cortez. It reads, Utah high school graduation rate increases to 87.4%. Within that article, we learned that that's not just this year, but over the last number of years, we've seen an increase. Tell us about those increases. Correct. Uh, I've got uh, specific data over the last five years, but it actually has risen over the last seven. The reason we know seven is seven years ago, the federal government... Uh, basically got tired of states picking their own way to calculate graduation rates and said everybody will calculate them that was this way that was very generous of the federal <laughs> government to step in and tell us how our business works well, be right but they're also trying to get comparative data so that when we say utah has this graduation rate and texas has this and connecticut has this that they're apples to apples comparison so i get that we're we can still calculate them any way we want but for federal reporting for the last seven years they have been growing 
growing uh, for all students over the last five. It's up uh, 3.68%. So that, that's pretty good growth over five years. I'll tell you what. I will reserve all of my opinions uh, <laughs> regarding federal intrusion on uh, education for another day. You and I, I, I have talk- to get. I have to get along with everybody. Exactly. That's part right. of my job. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but, but Utah, regardless of who's uh, sticking their nose in, is doing very, very well. Tell, tell me why. Uh, we are, it, it has been part of the state boards, uh, our elected state board of education. One of their primary goals has been education equity. And what we're trying to do is, is raise or uh, decrease the performance gaps. And there's a couple ways to do that. One way is like appliers where you bring the top rates down and the bottom rates up and meet in the middle. What's happening here is we're seeing over the last five years, everybody's rate has gone up but it's more like a crescent wrench in that those who who had the biggest gap in performance that lower jaw is raising up so we're seeing double digit increases in performance uh by american indian students and by english learner english english language learners and close to 10 percent by our hispanic students i was going to ask you if there are any like concentrations of success uh, you, you indicate there that in fact there are can, can you talk to me as specific as you're able what, what is leading to these uh, english learners uh finding such success in the utah school system uh what utah is doing and what our office specifically is doing is reaching out uh, to the districts and charter schools and we're making sure that those uh, resources are available to reach out to english language learners and i know a lot of people are going to assume that that is strictly a Hispanic issue but it is not. Spanish is the largest language but there are plenty of Navajo and Somali language students and in fact there are more than 100 languages um, spoken in homes in Utah languages as first languages other than English. Tell me that statistic again. More than 100 languages spoken in Utah homes as first languages that are not English. I, uh, as you say that, I'm sitting here trying to think. I don't know that I could list 100 languages. <laughs> I don't know that I know. In my, I don't know in my mind if there are. I need to. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not a product of the Utah uh, high school system. Let well, me and, and another benefit for Utah is our expansive um, dual uh, language system. So we have uh, different different languages where you can earn a dual language certificate. So that honors those students. And I know it's English students in Spanish students or Spanish schools, Mandarin schools, whatever. But it is also students who already know a second language and English become or know a first language and English becomes their second can get that dual uh, language certificate on their uh, high school diploma. So that's very encouraging. Pardon me for fixating on this on this figure. Is that fact of a hundred different first languages spoken across Utah? Does that make us different? Are do other states experience similar numbers? For a small state, that's fairly different. If we're talking California, no, that would sure. be of no consequence to California. Sure. But yeah, yeah. yes, in, in Utah, but a relatively geographically isolated state like Utah, that's Utah, is a very, Utah remains a welcoming state for the refugee communities, as is we've it, seen from our governor. Is it the influence of the church? Is it missionaries who are out uh, across the world and then coming back? To what do we attribute that? That I don't know. I don't know of any state. Pam Perlick up at the University of Utah would know a lot more about that sure. than I would. All right. uh, anyway, I, I, uh, sometimes these figures uh, they get my attention let me ask you this i uh and this is an odd question i'm a father uh, recently had my first child she's only six weeks old uh but uh, i'm a planner i like to look down <laughs> the road uh and I don't, uh, i'd like to 
and I, I intend to be here in Utah for a good long time. I think I'd like to live the rest of my life here. I'd like to raise my children here. Uh, and I hope that my home is here at KSL for a good long time into the future. I will need to soon make uh, some decisions about uh, about where to live. And uh, I'm not going to ask you, you know, which school districts are the best. But I, what I will ask you is as I start making decisions like that and, uh, and I look at different districts and schools and, and – make those decisions what should i be looking for what types of things should i be considering well there's plenty of data available if you come to our website which is schools.utah.gov and look for um school report cards that will give you the basic demographics of the school and how the school performs in those core subjects of language arts math and science compared not only to other schools in its district but to compare to this statewide average as well so you can see which schools are doing better than other schools that said the thing i tell parents and i get a number of these phone calls that are moving into the state that if harvard is a great school Mm -hmm. but if you are not comfortable there and you don't like it it's not going to be a good fit for you and if weber state happens to be a good fit even though it's not harvard Weber State is where you're going to get good education. So what I really recommend for parents is to go in and visit those schools. What kind of vibe do you get? Are the classrooms clean? Are the teachers attentive? Are you greeted when you step in the door? Those are signs of a good school. V- visiting a school. You can you can call up a school and say, hey, I'm coming to town. Can we get together? What's that? Yeah, you can go in and, and take a look at the school. Principals, I, I've yet to meet a principal or a teacher huh. who isn't happy to show off their school. Very good. I, never, I wouldn't have thought of that. Uh, let me ask you this. There are the headline reads from the Deseret News: uh, Utah high school graduation rate increases to eighty-seven point four percent. What's up with the other twelve point six? Well, some of them uh, have not. Ten percent of those have not graduated. Others of those are called other completers. Those are students who have gone on to Utah Technical College or a university setting without a diploma. That's a small percentage of them. Some of them are uh, students who are uh, remain in the system. They have special education plans. Uh, these are generally students with, with rather more severe disabilities, and some of them will stay in the system until uh, they're some of them until they're 25. Uh, but that still leaves 10 percent who drop out. What parents need to look for is making sure early that you are. Uh, getting your students to all of those classes. Very few will actually drop out in their senior year. I believe last year we had less than 1,900 students drop out in their final year, and only 68 of those uh, had completed all of their math courses. Math tends to be something that trips students up. So if you, yeah. if you are in particular are making sure all your students' math requirements are made, they are probably going to graduate. Fascinating. Mark Peterson, I'm grateful to you for your time. I'm grateful to you for joining us here in studio. Uh, this has been Mark Peterson. He's a spokesperson uh, for the Utah State School Board of Education, uh, singing his own praises of the Utah high school graduation rate uh, for the seventh year in a row. Singing Utah students' praises, not my own. All right, well, <laughs> very good, very good. We have good students here, and there's a good structure for them to be successful. Uh, Mr. Peterson, thanks again. Thank you. In our next segment, uh, we are going to touch on briefly uh, some of this impeachment stuff, but as we wrap up the show, 
Uh, we're going to talk about something going on in Mexico. An ABC News correspondent is going to help us out. Alex Stone will talk about why the U.S. State Department is issuing new warnings to Christmas travelers. I uh, myself have a great affection for Mexico. I was a, an LDS missionary there. And, uh, in fact, it was a, a State Department warning that prevented me from traveling down there very recently. We'll talk about that next. You're on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.